Our world has changed so much in the last few days. Since the incredible tragedy in Meiron on this past Thursday night on Lagba Omer, I think many of us still find ourselves in a fog, watching Levaya after Levaya, funeral after funeral, now seeing again the interviews taking place at the Shiva homes, and on one hand, incredible displays of Amuna. Incredible displays of belief, incredible displays of divakus, of clinging to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We hear the stories of great people who were in amazing and overwhelming and holy in their own simple, understated way. We see the heartbreak. We see the families that will never be the same. We see a people which will never be the same. Another tragedy in a long list of tragedies. But there seems to be something so different in this tragedy. Maybe it's because it occurred at such a holy and sacred place, the tomb of Rashbir Abishuram Bayochai. Maybe it's because it took place on a day which was supposed to be a Yamtiv, Lagba Omer, a day in which we celebrate the cessation of death, the stoppage of death, the end of the death of the students of Rabbi Akiva. And yet now, the Avelos, the morning of Svira, will be extended one more day because now Lagba Omer is the yard site for 45 Kiddoshim, 45 Nishamas, 45 beautiful souls. But what do we do with this tragedy? We know that it's an exercise in futility to try to understand the why. It's not our place to understand why. We are not entitled to understand everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does. The Ribbon Shalom runs the world and we believe with a complete heart that the Ribbono Shal Olam has both hands on the wheel. He's got it. I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. I try. I try because there's nothing wrong with looking for reasons. There's nothing wrong with looking for meaning as long as we're willing to accept that we won't always find it. But as many of the rabbis of past generations have articulated, Sometimes it's not our job to ask why, but it's our job to ask what. What should we do in the aftermath of this tragedy? How should we be different? How should our lives be different? Because we know it can't be business as usual. I can't go back to the regular rigors, to the regular rhythms of life after hearing what I've heard, after seeing what I've seen, after closing my eyes and constantly replaying the videos, the images, of the terrible tragedy in Meron. Life can't be the same. So what should we do? I don't want to focus on the why, but I have to focus on the what. What should I be? What should I become? What should I do? How should I grow in the aftermath of this tragedy? There's a beautiful Medrash. And the Medrash tells the story of Rabbi Shimon's parents, Yochai and his wife. And the Medrash relates that Yochai and his wife were childless for many years. You know, Rashbi, Rabbi Shurma Yochai did not come from a rabbinic family. He came from a regular, ordinary family. His father, Yochai, was a merchant. And they struggled with infertility for many years. Many years. Cried torrents of tears. Oceans of tears. And the story is told that one Rosh Hashanah, Yochai had a dream. And in his dream, he was standing in a field. And he saw many other people in this field with him, each individual standing by a sapling, a small tree. Suddenly a malach, an angel, appeared, carrying a barrel. 
the Malach went sapling to sapling, poured some water on each of the saplings, and the saplings began to grow. The angel then made his way over to Yochai, and when he came over to Yochai, he took out a little flask, opened it up, and poured the water, the contents of the flask, onto Yochai's sapling. At this point, Yochai wakes up, not really understanding the enormity of the dream he has just dreamt. Matzei Rosh Hashanah, Yochai and his wife go to their Rebbe. And amazingly enough, who was their Rebbe? Rabbi Akiva. And Yochai goes on to recount the dream. And Rabbi Akiva, after years, the dream begins to smile ear to ear. He said, my dear Yochai, do you realize what you've just seen? In that dream, all the people standing in the field are people who are going to be blessed with children in the coming year. Those saplings represented the little children which would be born into each of these families. And the Malach who came with the water, the water represented the Hashkach HaShem, the Divine Providence, which would allow the pregnancies to continue until completion and allow those children to come into the world. And Yochai and his wife can barely contain their excitement. Yochai says, but Rebbe, I have one more question. Why is it that for all of the other saplings, the Malach, the angel, watered the saplings with the contents of the barrel, the water from the barrel. But for my sapling, he took out the flask and he watered it with the water in the flask. Tuch Rabbi Akiva responded, my dear Yochai, that flask contained all of the tears that you and your wife have cried over these years of struggle. That flask contained every last precious tear. That flask contain the tears of sadness, the tears of despair, and those are the very tears which watered your sapling. Those are the very tears that the Malach poured on your sapling, on your little Shimon, who would later on become Rabbi Shimon by Yochai Rashbi, the Tanha Eloki. Those tears watered your sapling. And I think the Medrash teaches us a very profound lesson. Because there are two different things that tears can do. You see, a person could drown in their tears. Sometimes I am so overwhelmed by the enormity of suffering, whether it be my suffering, the suffering in the world, the suffering of my people. A person could become so overwhelmed by adversity and difficulty that I could drown in my tears. I drown in the abyss of my challenge, of my heartbreak. Or your tears could become the things that saturate the soil of your personalistic growth. The tears can become the very miracle grow for dynamic life activity. The tears could pour down from my eyes, down my cheeks, into the personalistic soil and water my sapling of dynamic personalistic growth. And that's the choice we have to make when we cry. Will I drown in my tears? Will I drown in my suffering? Or will I allow my tears to nurture and to nourish the soil of personalistic, dynamic growth? And for the Jew, there's only one option. Only one option. And it's the option to utilize my tears to nurture and to nourish my personal soil. To use my tears as the fertilizer. To use my tears as the miracle grow to use my tears to saturate my personalistic soil and create something 
dramatically amazing. I won't drown in my tears. You know, it's easy to drown in your tears. How could I not drown in the tears when I watch a father, the Englard, father of the Englard family, bury his two sons, 14 and nine and a half years old, in a Rosh Levayan Erev Shabbos. How do I not drown in my tears when I watch the Levaya of Donnie Morris, 18 years old from Teaneck, New Jersey, and story after story, episode after episode, heartbreak after heartbreak, how do I not drown in my tears? How do I not drown in the tears when I think about Jews stampeding over each other? How do I not drown in my tears thinking about Jews suffocating to death? How do I not drown in my tears? Because I can't. I can't. Because if I drown in the tears, that's the end of my narrative. If I drown in my tears, that's the end of the line. So instead, I can't hold back the tears because the pain is too overwhelming. But I'll allow those tears to fall into the soil all around me and nurture and nourish that soil. Those tears will serve as the catalyst for personalistic growth. And dear friends, this is what we must do in the aftermath of the tragedy in Meron. We've cried so much. We've been crying nonstop since Thursday. And the truth is, I don't know that these tears will dry so quickly. But we can't drown in them. We can't wallow in them. We can't lose ourselves in them. Instead, we have to put the steers to good use, to water our soil, to do something great, to nourish and to nurture our personalistic growth. And each of us have to find our own way to grow from this tragedy. Maybe for some of us, we'll choose to focus on being better to one another. You know, it's been striking to me that this tragedy occurred on Lagba Omer. Lagba Omer is the day when we celebrate the cessation of the death of Rabbi Akiva's students. And Rabbi Akiva's students, the Gemara says, died They did not treat each other appropriately, whatever that means. But it means they didn't treat each other as they should. Maybe one way in which we grow is we treat each other better. You know, you see the incredible achtos, the incredible unity that has come out of this tragedy. But you know what happens with unity that comes from tragedy? Unfortunately, it sometimes feels like it comes in a torrent and it leaves in a torrent. We have to be better to each other, to treat each other with greater dignity, to treat each other with greater covet. There is such a fundamental breakdown in the covet, in just the dignity and the kindness we exhibit one to the other. You look at what happens in greater society and it sometimes feel like we've lost the art of respecting one another. Maybe one of the things we have to do is to be better in giving covet to each other. Not just your friends and not just people who look like you, believe like you, practice like you, subscribe to the same ideologies you have, but to anyone and everyone. To be better in the covet we give to each other. Maybe that's one of the ways in which our tears could saturate the soil of personalistic growth all around us. But the truth is we all have to choose our own way. Because you're going to choose one way to grow and I'm going to choose another different way to grow. But one thing is clear. Don't drown in your tears and don't waste tears. The tears of the Jew are the most precious commodity. Because those tears, and I've said it a million times, those tears nurture and nourish the soil of dynamic personalistic growth. 
your soil has been watered. My soil has been watered and it's been watered non-stop since Thursday night. Because who can stop crying? But don't just wipe them away. Let them fall into the soil and decide, what am I going to do with these tears? How am I going to grow from this tragedy? How should I be better? How should my life be different? Maybe you'll learn a life lesson from one of the individuals who lost their lives. Or maybe you'll take a lesson from Achtos. Or maybe you'll take on some kind of Kabbalah that's between you and yourself and the Ribbono Shalom. But let us all pledge to Mirat Hashem become better and stronger from these tears. You know, we say to a little boy at his bris, We say to you, little boy, that through your blood you will live. But you know, maybe our message is, You also live through tears. These tears are powerful. That water that comes out of your eyes saturates the personal soil around you. And there is no telling what you could accomplish. May we be zochem yertz Hashem to saturate our soil from our tears. May we be zochem yertz Hashem to experience incredible growth in the wake of this tragedy. May that growth provide an aliyah for the neshamas of the 45 Kiddoshim. May that growth provide a nechama for the heartbroken mishpachas. And may that growth which comes from our tears shed on Lagba Omer and Mirat Hashem pave the way for the coming of Moshiach Mihir Rabbi Aminu. Amen.